And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Reverend Dwayne Garner, and he serves as pastor of Christ Church in Cary, North Carolina, and he'll be familiar to our listeners because we do carry your sermons on a Wednesday night on proclamation. So, Pastor Garner, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's always good to talk to you. Um, This is a really exciting time of year. Uh, Before we open the mic, I was sharing how busy it is also. Um, We're in the season of Advent, and uh, right away that kind of raises the question, uh, what is this thing we call Advent? Uh, Do you ever get that question? How would you answer it? Oh, all the time. This is a unique season on the church calendar, separate from Christmas, though the lines are easily blurred when you go to the department stores, you see Christmas trees, and you hear Christmas music on the radio all the time. We've really allowed the culture to push Christmas further and further back into into the calendar, but Christmas really doesn't begin until uh, Christmas Eve, December 24th. Yeah. As far as the church calendar is concerned, we are right now in the season of Advent, which is a distinct season where we are at the end of the liturgical year. We're at the end of the church calendar. We are looking forward to the return of the Lord Jesus. We're looking forward to the final judgment and making preparation in our hearts and homes for all the ways that the Lord Jesus comes to us. So it's not only that he comes to us in the future at the end of history, but he comes to us uh, by, by word and in worship, and he comes to us through his Spirit, and he, and he meets with us uh, through the, the means of grace, uh, of, of communion and baptism. So all these ways, all these ways that he draws near to us are the focus, the themes of the season of Advent. That's a nice way to put it. That's helpful. And what if somebody says, well, well, that these guys with their Advent, they're, they're <laughs> you know what I mean, they're, they're just uh, following uh, some... Can I say it like a Roman Catholic perspective? Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, you know, if it's truth, it's truth. So can you explain what, what is this origin? I mean, what, what is this thing? Well, I'll do my best to answer briefly. Uh, but the, the road that I go down when someone asks this question is that the church calendar predates all of our differences and problems with the Roman Catholic Church. This is very, very early in the history of the church. The church begins in the very first centuries marking out festival times to to celebrate the mighty acts of God in history through Jesus. So the, the events in the life of Jesus are the most important events in the history of the world, and it's good to it's good to celebrate those. Now where did they get that idea? Where did they begin to think, you know what, we really need to feast and mark out special times of the year for preparation and uh, for, for you know, thinking through different themes of God's redemption through history. Well, it goes all the way back to the uh, Old Covenant, and I would say to the fourth day of creation. When, when God sent the uh, sun, moon, and stars in the sky, he said, uh, I'm putting them there to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons, mm. for days, and for years. Now, that word seasons is not simply summer, autumn, winter, spring. It, it includes that, but that word seasons is used, it's picked up by Moses over in Leviticus again, 
to refer to festival times, festival seasons. In Leviticus 23, where we get the list of the great feasts, it, it uses the very same word that God uses on day four of creation. So, so he, uh, Moses says, these are the feasts of Yahweh, even holy convocations, which you shall proclaim in their seasons. Both the word feasts and seasons in Leviticus 23 is the same word God uses on the fourth day of creation. Point being, God has given us the sun, moon, and stars to mark days and nights, but also so that we know when it is time to stop and feast and worship him. You count seven sunrises, and it's time to stop and Sabbath. You count the, the, the moons, and you can figure out when we're supposed to celebrate Passover and Pentecost and the Feast of Booths. So the Lord gave his people this, this festival calendar to mark out and to commemorate his mighty acts of deliverance on their behalf in the Exodus so that they would never forget what God had done for them, so that they would always rejoice in his goodness and in his promise, stop and enjoy his gifts, uh, to, to stop and rest and enjoy his gifts. So not only did God give them a calendar, but they felt a certain liberty to add days to that calendar, not only Passover and Pentecost and the Feast of Tabernacles and Day of Atonement, but when God delivered them in Persia, they said, you know what, we really need another day on the calendar to remember this. And so, and so they added Purim, you know, in the Book of Esther, it's about mm-hmm. the establishment of the, the, the uh, Festival of Purim. And then in the intertestamental time, uh, there's another great deliverance, and the Maccabees, uh, in the time of the Maccabees, they set aside the, the Feast of Dedication, the, what we call Hanukkah today. Here's what's interesting. Uh, God approves of those additional feast days, and how do we know? Well, I believe Esther is inspired and authoritative as far as Scripture, but not yeah. only that, the Lord Jesus, in John 10, the Lord Jesus goes up to the temple during the winter, during the Feast of Dedication, the Lord Jesus celebrates Hanukkah in John, in John 10. <laughs> so, so do we have some freedom? Do we have some latitude to set aside days and times to celebrate God's mighty acts in history, I think, most definitely, yes. So that, that uh, I, I went into that detail because I believe that history is important. Do we have the liberty to set aside times for feasting, rejoicing, and thinking about God's mighty acts in history? Absolutely. And yeah. the Church started this very, very early, way before way before we, we have major problems in the medieval Roman Church mm-hmm. with idol, idolatry and, and, you know, purgatory and these other things. So don't, we can't associate the Church calendar with, with Roman Catholicism. Uh, associate the Church calendar with the fourth day of creation. Start there. Oh, that's very helpful. Yeah. Well, today we're talking with Pastor Dwayne Garner, and he's uh, become a friend of this ministry, although I've never met you in person Pastor Gardner, um, we do air your sermons regularly on a Wednesday night on Proclamation at 9 o'clock in the evening here on the network. Uh, tell us a little bit about um, what your church is doing this time of year. Um, do you, um, I don't know, what, what, are, what are your practices during Advent? Yes, well, we save all of the Christmas stuff for Christmas Eve and then and then afterward. So Advent, we really want to focus on those great Advent hymns. Uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is an Advent hymn. Savior of the Nations Come. So all of our hymns focus on the future coming and the present coming of the Lord Jesus. 
where our, our sermons are focused on preparation for future judgment and for the coming of the Lord and, and his reign over the nations now, his reign over all things now and how his kingdom is, is, is progressing gradually and cumulatively. So that, those are the themes of patience and waiting on the fulfillment of all of his promises. And we save Christmas for Christmas. Christmas starts, you know, Christmas Eve, we have a big uh, Christmas Eve service and then Christmas Day, and then you get 12 days of Christmas. Another misconception, I think, is that people think, well, 12 days of Christmas, that's the countdown to Christmas. It's not. Uh, Christmas begins on Christmas Day and then goes 12 days through the uh, the day the, through Epiphany on January 6th. So we oh. really make a big deal out of those 12 <laughs> days of Christmas. We save the parties, we save the feasting, and then for 12 days, we wear each other out. Uh, by uh, There's a party every night at somebody's house. There's some little concert, some recital, some little gift exchange, some little just uh, night after night after night. And by the time Epiphany rolls around, we're about ready uh, to, I mean, we're worn out of, of <laughs> feasting and celebrating, but we save it until until Christmas. Those are some of the practices we built. Well, that's here. interesting. Yeah, that's helpful. What about during your worship service, um, during this period of Advent? Does anything change dear, during your worship service? We do. All of our, our prayers and our readings and our hymns, as I said, are, are focused on the gotcha. theme. And we just do this every season of the church year. We love to sing those biblical hymns that we get at the beginning of Luke's gospel. We get hymn after hymn. We have Zechariah's song and Mary's song and the song of Simeon and the song of the angels. And so we we sing those during this time of year as well, leading up to uh, leading up to Christmas and the season of Christmas, so uh, those are those are some of the things that we that we do differently. But we're not we're not singing uh, jingle bells yet. <laughs> we don't even do that in worship ever, obviously. But no. uh, we're not we're we're saving the we're saving the Christmas themes and hymns um, for for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. No use jumping the gun. Um, yeah. Well, today we're talking with Pastor Dwayne Garner, and we're talking a little bit about Advent. Um, we started our our quote unquote Christmas music. I can't I can't separate too much here at the network between Advent and Christmas music. I don't have the ability to do that. <laughs> However, I mean, if we had tons of people and could work at it that way, I suppose we could. Um, however, uh, we didn't start until uh, the first day of Advent. We we sprinkled in a little bit of instrumentals of Christmas music, but. Full-blown Christmas music started uh, with Advent, the beginning of Advent. Um, it was um, it was not foremost in my mind. I came from a different tradition, you know, uh, Protestant tradition. Uh, went through a couple of different churches growing up, based on my parents' preference, and then finally um, we became members of uh, Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern, New York. And uh, followed them for a number of years to see what they were doing and found out that, hey, they followed the church calendar and there's a richness here. And um, I started to really kind of resonate, to use a radio term, uh, with with that and found a, a definite richness. Um, how about people visiting your church, Pastor Garner? Do they find it a shock sometimes that you follow a church calendar? 
Yes, we do get we do get questions, but we uh, can easily answer those questions just as we have. And what happens yeah. is, is people kind of hit this hit this rhythm, and if they hang with us after a couple of years, they start to get the the rhythm of the church year, and it is glorious. It is it, it is. is so much fun. That's one of the things <laughs> that people really rejoice in. And honestly, uh, I don't really mind hearing, and I actually rather love hearing Christmas music. I'm standing in line at Wendy's and I hear some pop singer singing Hark the Herald Angels Sing, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. I mean, my goodness, how can you protest hearing that in public, you know, and in, in the gospel proclaimed while, while you're at Walmart? You know, um, it's, it's just, it, it's, it's wonderful. And I think it's a, an evidence of what we're seeing as the progress of the gospel uh, as the 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 glory, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the yes. earth as the waters cover the sea. We're oh, seeing little yeah. evidences of that this time of year. We get these little glimpses, these little hints, <laughs> and and there's no reason to pour cold water on that. There's no reason to be a wet blanket. You so play the Christmas music, blast it. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but on in in worship, in worship on the Lord's Day, I, I, there's there's the specific. Uh, emphasis that we want sure. to make this time of year. Sure, the ordering makes sense. Uh, I was uh, reading a, a piece, uh, I think Joel Ellis had put that in the Kyperion, and uh, he quoted the Joy to the World uh, hymn, and I had forgotten how wonderful this hymn is, uh, where it talks about the, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king, and then it goes on to say that the Savior reigns. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> he reigns. And then Absolutely. no more let sins and sorrows grow. It, it, it kind of captures really what you were saying is that um, we're, we're seeing the growth of the kingdom of God right now. Can you talk to that a little yes. bit? Well, the Lord Jesus teaches us to pray uh, to our Father, uh that, that his will would be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Right. And if the Lord Jesus asks for this, I have to believe that the Father gives his well-beloved Son what his Son asks for. <laughs> so so it's, it's not all at once. It's not overnight. No. It doesn't happen in an instant. But that is the story of history. Earth becomes more and more and more like heaven. It does. In heaven, when, when God tells an angel to go do something, the angel does it. Uh, God's God's will, God's word, uh, God's God's sovereign rule is evident in heaven, and that is the story of history on earth. We are the 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 Father is answering the Son's prayer, and that Earth will be conformed to to heaven's priorities. So so Jesus is King right now. That that those lyrics of joy to the world came from a different period in church history where we recognized openly that Jesus is not king of the future. We're not waiting around for Jesus to become king one day. Jesus is Lord and king right now. And so yeah. let, her, let earth receive her king, because he is king. <laughs> let every heart prepare him room. Amen. Heaven and nature sing that he is king right now. You know, I think uh, Isaac Watts, the, the man who God used to write this hymn um, based on Scripture, I think he, he saw something here. And, uh, you know, it's only... Uh, 300 years past it's not that long since since he wrote it and i'm reminded of the fact that uh god moves in his time and his pace and uh, as he brings the nations to himself 
may take 300, 400 years, may take a thousand years. And it's almost like I can't even, I'm not even allowed to say that anymore because people have this little expectation that, well, Jesus is going to come really, 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 really soon. It's just around the corner, guaranteed. But we're not allowed to say that, are we? Well, I, it, it's certainly not popular, but the, uh, <laughs> um, the, the Scriptures in many places, like Deuteronomy 7, says the Lord is faithful to thousands of generations. Yes. And if you count up the generations from Adam to today, we're not even to a thousand generations. Yes. Uh, so thousands of generations indicates to me that the Lord has plans for a long, fruitful future for His people, for the Church, for the growth of the gospel, that we are really still in the early church. We're still in the infancy of God's work yeah. in the world. Yeah, that's the way I see it. And again, it's not very popular, but I, I think time, nope. time is going to prove that to be the case. Um, but at the same time, we're to pray for and hope for the return of, of Jesus to uh, inaugurate the new heavens and new earth. Um, so it's kind of an irony that, that we live with, I suppose. Yes, yeah, so we're, we're also, it is also entirely appropriate when the prophets of the Old Testament talk about the day of the Lord, the Lord's, <laughs> the day of the Lord's coming in judgment. Uh, the Assyrian conquest was a day of the Lord. The Babylonian conquest was a day of the Lord. All of these various monumental events were were days of the Lord's coming. When the Lord comes and sorts everything out and delivers the righteous and judges the wicked, well, it's appropriate to pray for the Lord to come in all of those ways every day. My goodness, uh, Lord, come sure. right now. Yes. Sort, sort everything out. And, uh, you know, we we long for him to sort everything out. Uh, but his, his the, the final consummation of everything uh, is you know of course we don't we don't know when that is but our suspicion is that that's that we've got lots of time before yes that. yes I think there's a portion in First Corinthians 15 where it talks about Jesus uh, basically casting down his enemies and um, sometimes you look around you say well that hasn't happened yet and yet it's going to happen I I don't doubt God's word at all not one iota. I don't fit God's word into the newspaper. We need to learn to fit yes. the newspaper into God's word. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. So, anyway, um, today we're talking with Dwayne Garner. He's heard Wednesday nights on proclamation at nine o'clock in the evening. And Pastor Dwayne, uh, we're talking today about Advent. You've pointed out the fact that we're now in the season of Advent, and it's based on the church calendar, and it's a very legitimate thing to use the church calendar. It doesn't make us automatically into a Roman Catholic. And yet I want to say this also. Our Roman Catholic friends, I know um, many of them do know the Lord. Many of them have been converted to Christ. Uh, Their form of worship, etc., may not quite fit us Presbyterians or maybe a Baptist or whatever, but I tell you, they are wonderful people who are also, many of which are also concerned about our culture and the terrible loss of American culture that we're seeing right now. Uh, that That's my bias, anyway. Oh, yes, I, I would agree. I wouldn't say things the way that they say them. I wouldn't, uh, right. certainly, I don't pray through any other mediator than the Lord Jesus. Correct. Obviously, I think those are some pretty uh, unhelpful 
to to put it mildly unhelpful superstitions that they've they've attached but but for for especially for people who have been raised in those cultures and raised in uh in those those churches where that's just all they know and their understanding of Jesus and their discipleship in the Christian faith has come in the Roman Catholic Church and they're faithful to the revelation that they've been given of right, Jesus right. I I count them I count them brothers Amen. and sisters I think our real difficulty, our really ch- our challenges with those leaders and teachers who are false shepherds who know better. Right. They know better, and they know. I, I have to think that they're they're deliberately leading people in error because of status or money or power or or whatever uh, other motives that they have for doing what they do. But but I don't I don't hold that against the person who is who loves Jesus who is seeking to be faithful in the environment that they're in. Uh, they're uh, undertaught and misled, but I, I, hold that, uh, I hold their teachers accountable. Yeah, and uh, a big thing is they hold to, uh, let's say, the Apostles' Creed, you know, the Trinitarian view, and, and that's important. Absolutely, and that's really, I look at the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed Nicene. as the, as the def- definition of what is a... A Christian, right? So, yeah. if if you can confess that without crossing your fingers behind your back, <laughs> if you're if you're a hundred percent in on the Apostles of Nicene Creed, I count you a brother. Amen. That's true. Um, that's an interesting way of putting it. Without crossing your fingers behind your back, um, I I happen to be part of a church that embraces the Westminster Confession of Faith and the shorter and larger catechisms, and. Um, uh, sometimes uh, pastors will have um, what do they call it an exception or whatever that they hold yes. to that. I, I, as far as I know, I don't personally hold any exceptions, but um, I suppose some pastors do. I sometimes wish they'd just write them down and say, "Okay, these are these are the exceptions I held when I went before Presbytery," and then we would uh-huh. be shocked reading them. <laughs> <laughs> But nevertheless, uh, it's it's really good. Uh, I, I feel it's it kind of makes our faith more objective when we're willing to write it down and say, "Yeah, this is what we believe about Jesus: that he's fully man and fully God." It just just that one alone um, separates us from, uh, let's say, Jehovah Witnesses and that sort of thing. It, it's important to be confessional. I think. Yes, well, all the confessions and creeds are doing is is expressing the the fundamental basic truths of scripture yeah. in a, in a way that, that 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 systematizes it and says this is what we believe about this subject. We believe this about tri- the trinity. We believe this about justification, the final judgment. Of course, they're not more important than the scripture. No. They say uh that we are are always holding to the authority of of scripture over and above everything else but but yes absolutely these are these are very helpful our church holds uh, subscribes to the Westminster Confession with with a few exceptions that we have written and 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 all of our you're honest about no <laughs> they know exactly <laughs> what we take exception to yep. but we don't require our members to take the same exceptions that we have sure. uh, we we want the door to the church to be as wide as the door to heaven and so we, we don't uh, we don't limit our fellowship around whether you agree with us or not on the Westminster Confession. No. We also really enjoy the three forms of unity, which 
I've found to be the, the, the Heidelberg Catechism, particularly oh, yeah. very devotional and pastoral. Uh, the, the Westminster is very helpful where it is technical, uh, but Correct. but can also be more uh, wooden. Where I think the the three forms of unity are very well devotional and pastoral are the best words I can come up with. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a good way to put it. Now we're getting close to the end of our discussion today here with Pastor Dwayne and. Uh, if someone wants to look you up, uh, maybe listen to a sermon, um, where can they go to check you out? Christchurchnc.com is our our internet address, and then you can find links to sermons and other resources and contact information on there. Yeah, very good. And if someone wanted to attend a church worship service with you guys, um, I... I you know, many churches today, um, newer, I mean, uh, maybe that aren't so old, don't have the privilege of owning a physical building. They they rent space. Uh, is that your situation there? Yes, we are presently in a glorious uh, strip mall. We do not have a, <laughs> <laughs> a, a great cathedral, but we are building it. So we have Good. land, and and we are... Uh, we are moving forward on this program and this project to uh, build our own glorious building. Oh, that's to great! Give honor honor to the Lord. But right now, right now we're in a uh, we're in a strip mall in Cary, North Carolina, and all the address and direction information is on our website. Yeah, and give that website one more time: ChristChurchNC.com. Well, it's simple enough. Pastor Dwayne Garner, my friend. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.